need to don't need to get into that right now. I'm excited to share with you this morning. Uh, we've been talking the last few weeks about what it means to follow Jesus. Uh, two weeks ago, I, I kind of kicked this off by saying, in order for us to follow Jesus, we first need to understand what His grace is in our life and how it's so vital and important for us to be able to walk and live in that grace in order for us to follow Jesus. Because if we try to do it on our own, in our own strength, we will fail a hundred times out of a hundred. Uh, he also, we talked about how he meets us right where we're at. He doesn't expect us to come to him fully cleaned up. Uh, I read something or I heard something on, on Instagram or something over the last uh, few days about how you don't clean up your, you, you, don't, you don't go to a shower cleaned up, you go to a shower to get cleaned up, right? Uh, and, and we think of it the same way with Jesus. He meets us right where we're at, and we allow him to do the cleaning. Amen. Last week, we talked about Matthew chapter 16 and how we need to take up our own cross and, and, and follow him. And what does it mean to take up our cross? And how do we think about others over ourselves? And, and what does it mean to truly lose our life to gain it. So those are kind of the things that we've talked to. Those messages, if you miss them, are up online. So feel free uh, to go, th- go back and listen to them. I would encourage you to do that. So this week, I'm going to talk about what uh, the role of Christ is in our life as followers and what does that look like in our life. So we're going to start in John chapter 10. Uh, so turn with me to John chapter 10. Uh, we're going to start in verse 2. So John 10 Verse 2, we're going to read through verse 11. Uh, So Jesus is talking in in a lot of, uh, he talks in context of shepherd and sheep in this passage. So we're going to take some time today diving into what he means when he's talking about this in John chapter 10, verse 2. So start there. It says, but the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. And the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. Uh, They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Those heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. So he explained it to them. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Say that 10 times fast. Um, so this passage of scripture, I'm sure many of us have read it many times. Most people know John 10:10, 10, 10. Um, but I think it's important for us to understand what Jesus is really saying in our, in our own lives, because we are the sheep, right? We are the sheep. Uh, but before we get into that, I want to give a little history lesson on what and who shepherds were in the time that Jesus would be telling this story. So if you look at the Bible, you, you see many, many examples of shepherds. David was a shepherd, right? We can see that. We know that. So I just want to share a little verse 11 as the good shepherd. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But the role of the shepherd was very significant to the society. 
So let's break this passage of Scripture down a little bit. We're going to start in verse 2. And we're going to work our way through verse 11. But we're going to start there. So who is Jesus referring to when he talks about enter, the person entering the gate in verse 2? Well, in order to understand verse 2, we need to look at verse 3. So in verse 3, Jesus makes it clear that this person is, one, recognized by the gatekeeper. So the gatekeeper was an important role. So just thinking about how sheep were kept back in the day, oftentimes there was one big gathering place for sheep that had one entrance. There might be multiple flocks that are gathered there, and the gatekeeper was there to help control to make sure people who weren't supposed to be in didn't come in, and those that needed to leave could. So you can think of them as like a door guard, essentially, right? So this person is recognized by the gatekeeper. So this is Jesus. The voice is recognized by their sheep. So the shepherd comes in, the sheep recognize his voice. As followers of Jesus, we are his sheep. We need to recognize his voice. It's so important for us as followers of Jesus to know his voice and to follow it. I'm sure many of you have pets, right? We have a guinea pig at home. His name is Patrick. No, I did not choose the name. But his name is Patrick. And he's this big, big brown fluff ball that is the cutest little thing. It's so interesting to me. When we first got Patrick uh, this last March, he didn't know who we were. He was terrified of us. He stayed like he's got a pen and he's got a little, you know, like a, a, a house, you could say, inside his pen. And he stayed in there for like three or four days, didn't come out. Now... Patrick recognizes our voice. He'll hear the kids and he'll come scurrying and stand at the edge like, pet me, pick me up. I want you to love on me. Because he recognizes their voice. He knows who they are. We, he, see, he sees and he hears us as his family and goes, oh, somebody is here to see me. I'm sure many of you have, have had dogs or you have a dog currently. I know we had dogs. The dogs could recognize my voice compared to Shree's voice. There was a, there's a funny story, uh, and, and I promise there's a point to this. Uh, Shree's dog, we had a dog named Daisy. She had puppies. One of her puppies was named Sam, and he was the size of a guinea pig. No joke. He was like three pounds, and he was the cutest little dog. Uh, he actually was so small that in the winter, he, had, he wore this puffy vest that Ann would put him in, and he'd go and stand by the heat register to get warm. <laughs> it, it was interesting because... He knew Anne's voice when she was being sweet, and Anne could change her voice to know when he was in trouble, and he knew he was in trouble as a dog. A dog. Our, niece, our niece figured out what that voice was. But all of that to say, if, animal, if pets can recognize the voice of their master, we should be able to recognize the voice of our Savior. Right? As his followers, we need to be able to recognize the voice of Jesus. As his sheep, we know... His voice, And as he is leading us, we need to be able to discern and understand our, his voice compared to our own voice, the voice of the enemy, the voice of everything else that's happening around us. Because trust me, there's a lot of voices out there that want to tell you what to do, that want to tell you which way to think, that want to tell you which way to live. We need to be able to understand and discern the voice of Jesus. The last thing, he calls them by name and leads them out. So he knows his sheep by name. You all know that he knows every detail about you. He knows the hairs 
on your head. So he calls you by your name and leads you out. So we can see that the, the, the person that Jesus is talking about in chapter 2, the one who enters the gate, is Jesus himself. He is the one who enters the gate, right? He is the one who comes in and calls out to his sheep. Now, if you think about this in, in natural sense, right? You walk into this big open area that's got a fence around it and one entrance, and the shepherd walks in. And it's filled with sheep from numerous different flocks. Now that shepherd knows who his sheep is, who his sheep are, but the sheep are just milling around, they're eating. He says their name, their head pops up. They follow him, right? We need to be the same way. When Jesus walks into the room, we need to hear him, we need to turn to him, and we need to follow him, right? So sheep can do that. So they were, you know, in, in, again, thinking about this, they're in this contained area. There's only one door. Only one door. Only one way in and one way out. Why was that? Well, again, sheep weren't always the most intelligent creatures, so they would get away, right? We all know, we've, you know, Jesus would leave the 99 to save the one. We all know that the sheep get, they wander, right? So that was intentional. There was only one entrance. It had a gatekeeper. We, we understand that. Often many different flocks were included in that. If we look at verse 4 now, we can also understand what it means to follow Jesus. Verse 4, for, for, after he gathered his own flocks, his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. What does this mean? Verse 4, he walks ahead of them. He goes before them. He prepares a way for them. Deuteronomy verse 31 verse 8 or chapter 31 verse 8 says, Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will never fail you nor abandon you. He will be with you. He will never fail you nor abandon you. As our shepherd, we know... We, we know that he's going to take us on a path that he's prepared for us. So I want you to think about this. And I'll, I'll tell a little story. I love stories, if you can't tell, if you all didn't know that about me. Uh, so every spring, we tap maple trees at uh, Shree's parents' land. And it's this 20 acres out in the middle of the woods. It's beautiful. It's incredible. Um, but you can imagine when we have a lot of snow, there's a lot of snow to get through. How many of you have ever tried to walk through deep snow? All of us, right? Where you take a step and you think it's going to, your feet, foot's going to, and it comes up to your waist. And you're like, how do I get out of this, right? Well, you can imagine Elijah trying to tromp through the woods in deep snow. It's impossible. So you, you end up, as a parent, you bring the sled and you just kind of pull them along and they help out, right? But if, that, if the sled isn't possible, somebody needs to pave the way through the woods, right? So if you're walking through the woods, you're walking through deep snow, it's so much easier if you've had somebody who went before you to put footsteps in the snow for you to know where to walk, right? Because if you see footsteps in front of you, you can step into those steps and you're not going to go and get stuck, right? You're not going to get stuck. You know exactly where to walk because you see the, foot, the path in front of you. You see the footsteps in front of you. It makes it a lot easier to navigate the woods when you have a clear path already in front of you. This is what this is saying. 
We are His sheep. Jesus goes before us to prepare the path for us to walk on. He's already gone ahead of us to make it easy for us to walk in that path. Now, that doesn't mean that we always make it easy on ourselves. Unfortunately, sometimes we're like, I see the path and I see where you've paved the way, but I'm going to walk over here. I'm going to pave my own way. I'm going to do it on my own. Oftentimes you end up getting stuck in the deep snow, right? Because you didn't follow the path. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't trudge yourself back into the path and get back to where Jesus has already prepared for you. But it, we know that his, as his sheep, as we are following him, he prepares the way ahead of us. He prepares the way for us to walk down. So think about that. If you're the first person to walk that path, it's hard. But as more and more people step and they compact that snow by, you know, you think about it, the sheep, if you're thinking about that, it's, it's a lot easier when you're walking where he has already walked. That's right. He directs our path. And you know what? We, I think the thing that's so important for us is he's prepared the path. And as, as his followers, we can trust that he's leading us exactly where we need to follow. He is leading us exactly where we need to follow. You are nowhere on accident, right? He has placed you exactly where you're supposed to be on purpose. Sometimes you don't always see it in the moment, but a year later, you understand why you were, why you were at a certain place at a certain time to see or interact with a certain person. I think all of us can reflect back on, on points in our life where we were following Jesus, but we didn't realize we were following Jesus. We didn't understand the path that had already been prepared for us. We were just living our life, trusting God, following Him, and He was leading us exactly where we needed to go. I think about how Shri and I started dating. So for those of you that didn't know, Shri and I knew each other when we were wee little, like four or five years old. Went to church together. I was good friends with her brothers. She was good friends with my sisters. Yada, yada, yada. Shri's two years older than me. When you're 14 and Shri's 16, that's a lot. You're, you can drive. I can't. That's a big deal, right? You know, so there was, there was not, you know, when you're, we were kids, we were just kids. I'm graduating from high school. Sheree ends up at my graduation party. Hadn't seen their family in probably five years, I think. Start hanging out with her family. Her brother gets married. I end up being in the wedding. All of these things, all of these dots are getting connected. And in, in the moment, you're just living life. You're just kind of going where you're going. And then you look back on it and you totally see how the Lord was preparing the steps for you to walk in to be where you needed to be, right? We can all think of situations in our life where we've been following Jesus and he's put us exactly where we needed to be. Maybe it was moving to a new city, starting a new job, uh, whatever, whatever that might look like, going to a new school, whatever. We can all see, and oftentimes they say hindsight's 20-20, right? You, if you look back in the rearview mirror, you can see how Jesus was preparing you. So it's important for us to understand that Jesus is not only our shepherd, but he leads us, he guides us, he prepares a way for us. Now, if you look at the second portion of this, this scripture, uh, looking at specifically verse 8, uh, Jesus transitions. He, he is talking about himself as a shepherd, and now he's saying he's the gate. And you're like, I, I don't, how, how are you the shepherd and the gate at the same time? 
Well, let's look at that verse again. Verse 8, it says, oops. Oh, sorry, verse 7. So he explained it to them. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. Why is this significant? How can Jesus be the one that's entering through the door as the shepherd, but also be the gate for the sheep? Well, there's significance to this. Oftentimes when sheep were out in pasture, they would have to set up a, a, a new enclosure for them to be in at night. Well, they didn't have a gate. They didn't have a door. So who was the gate? The shepherd was the gate. The shepherd would lay in front of the gate at night to protect the sheep and not let an animal that wanted to eat the sheep or you know somebody that wanted to steal, wouldn't be able to let them in. The shepherd would lay down and would protect their sheep in the gate. So Jesus is not only our shepherd, he's, our, he's the one that's leading us, he's also the one that's protecting us. He's also the one that is protecting us. So not only is he the shepherd, he's also the door. And that's significant, right? If we look at John 14, 6, Jesus, it says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So in order to be a, a sheep, a follower of Jesus, we need to first enter through him. He is the gate. He is the gate to salvation. He is the gate to a, a life that is more abundant than we could ever think, ask, or imagine. John 14 is an interesting chapter. If we you know, Go ahead and read this another time. But in this dialogue where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one can come to the Father except through me, he's having a dialogue. Who's he having a dialogue with? Doubting Thomas. <laughs> Doubting Thomas. Thomas can't wrap his mind around the fact that Jesus can be a gateway to the Father. And he's telling Jesus, like, I, I don't get it. Just, just show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. Just show us the Father. This is a guy who is a he's, He followed Jesus. He saw miracle after miracle after miracle. And you know what? He wasn't satisfied. He needed to see the physical evidence of the Father. And sometimes in our own life, when we're following Jesus... We go, yeah, Jesus, I get it. I know you want me to go there, but just show me how it's going to turn out. Show me. Give me a glimpse. I just want to see it. Just show me my future. Can't you just give me a crystal ball and I can see it? No faith. Exactly. We want to see the end before we even get started. And being a follower of Jesus and walking through him as the door, as the gate, means that we're not always going to know. We're not always going to see what's 20 steps ahead. But our faith in Him allows us to take that step and then to take the next step and then to take the next step, next step and take the next step. And you know what? In this situation, the thing that I love about it is Jesus responds in such grace. He could have said, Thomas, really? Really? Like, haven't you seen enough? Haven't we seen enough? You can all look at your own life and see God at work time after time after time after time after time after time after time. Trust Him. Follow Him. Follow His leading. And the thing is, is Thomas had seen all these things and yet he still had doubts. I think all of us can say that at moments we've had doubts. 
Am I doing the right thing? Am I where I'm supposed to be? Am I making the right decision? I don't know. This is hard. And it is hard. But we know that Jesus is, again, He's preparing a way for us to walk down, right? So we can understand that Jesus is our way in and keeps us safe. He keeps us protected. He is the door to the gate or the opening. He is the way, the truth, and the life. The way, the truth, and the life. And I want to dive into that a little bit more. And then there's still going to be times that we have questions about the direction that He's leading us. And the thing that I want to point out, this rug. Uh, Jesus never called us to lead Him. He never called us to lead Him. He didn't. He never said, come lead me. No. What does He say to Simon? He says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He didn't say, come lead me. He says, come follow me. It's important for us to understand that in order to follow Jesus, we need to give him every aspect of our life. We need to give him lordship over every aspect of our life. We need to allow him to lead us. We first need to follow. The fact of the matter is that Jesus says he is the way, the truth, and the life shows me one thing. In our society, especially today, there's a lot of people that say, find your own truth. What's your own truth, right? Everyone has found it, their own truth, right? This is my truth. I've heard it said, you know, time after time after again. You think about it politically, socially, economically, spiritually even. Even in the church, there's disagreements on what truth is. Jesus makes it very clear in this statement. If we want to find real truth, we just need to look in one place. Where do we need to look? We need to look to Jesus. He is the truth. He didn't say He is a truth. He said He is the truth. That's a declarative statement. That's not a question. That's not a and or. That is the. He is the truth. Beginning and the end. The truth. The only truth. He is our only way into heaven. He is the doorway. He is the source of all truth. What did we read in John chapter 1 in our Bible studies these last few weeks? In the beginning, the Word, you could say Jesus. So in the beginning, Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. So in the beginning, Jesus was there. He is the truth. It started with Him. Everything was created through Him. And He provides eternal life to all those that enter through Him, to all of those that see Him as the way the truth, and the life. Sorry, I get fired up about it because it's so important in our life today for us to understand where our truth comes from. Where our truth comes from. I talk to, we talk to our kids all the time about what is truth. What is truth? Because you talk to an eight-year-old, their truth is whatever happened to them in that moment today. So-and-so hurt me, that's the truth. Well, that's not the truth. They maybe did something that hurt you, but they're not a horrible human being. Right? We need to find our truth rooted and grounded in Christ. Amen? If we look at, you know, as we look at the end of this passage, verse 10 and 11, Jesus makes it clear. We already know that His sheep know His voice, that His sheep follow Him with Him leading the way, 
that they know him, or that, they, that he calls them by name and they know him and knows them, that he is the gate that protects his sheep from harm, and that he is the way to the Father. Well, what does it say in verse 10? Now, Laura talked about this, taught on this a few months ago. Verse 10, the enemy's job is to what? To steal, to kill, and destroy. Now, again, remember, I think, Laura, you even maybe said this. It, Jesus is not our enemy. So if something is meant to steal, it isn't from God. If something is meant to kill, it isn't from God. If something is meant to destroy, it isn't from God. Because it says, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What does it say at the end of that? But I have come to give you life, and life more abundantly. So if one, something in your life is trying to steal your joy, it's not from God. He's not punishing you. If something in your life is meant to kill, it isn't from God. It's from the enemy. Because we know that God comes and gives us life, and life more abundantly. Life more abundantly, what does that mean? Uh, an abundant life. A life that exceeds what we can ask or think. Not a meager life. As Christians, we're not meant to live a meager life. Now, I'm not just talking about finances. I think that's been talked about enough in the church. What I am talking about is God meant for us to live an abundant life in our relationships, to have rich, meaningful relationships, to connect with people, to do life together. That's what this church is. That's what church is meant to be. That's why it was established, right? To give us meaningful connection, to give us deep revelation, to have a relationship with Christ that exceeds our own imagination, right? And that all of our needs are met. We live an abundant life because all of our needs are met. Financially, socially, fiscally, whatever. Insert whatever. All of our needs are met. That is the life that Christ called his followers to live in. Amen? So when I, just to wrap this up, when we look at verse 11, Jesus shares that he is the good shepherd that lays down his life for his sheep. Now I want you to think about that. We, we probably all read that verse throughout our life, that he would lay down his life for his sheep. Now I want you to think about a shepherd. Do you think in most situations, if a sheep gets away from their flock and a lion comes and attacks it, that shepherd is going to go and, I'm going to lay down, I'm going to save this sheep. Probably not. They're going to say, well, that one got away. You know, they'll go tell their, you know, their, their parent or whoever it is that they're working for, hey, we lost a sheep today. So the fact that Jesus is making this declaration that he is the good shepherd that would lay down his life for his sheep is actually very societally not something that you would think of happening right? That somebody would lay down his life for his own sheep. Shepherds cared for their sheep, but not to that degree. So this is a big statement that Jesus is saying. We are his sheep. Jesus laid down his life for us as our good shepherd. He did this to save us. He did this to save us and to show us a better way. He didn't save us from government he didn't save us from the news he didn't save us from ourselves he saved us and died for us so that we could spend eternity with him he died for us to cleanse us he doesn't want to see any of his sheep perish 
Further down in John chapter 10, John 20, 10, 28, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. No one. No one can snatch his sheep away from him. No one. No force, no evil, no bad situation, no nothing can snatch his sheep away from him. Because if we go through verse by verse, John 10 2 through 11, we see all the things that Jesus is. Not only is our, he our good shepherd, he's our protector. He's our provider. He leads us exactly where we need to go. We need to trust as his followers that he is taking us to places that might be uncomfortable for us, that might be scary for us, that might put us in a situation where we don't know what to do, but that it's exactly where we're supposed to be. If you would have asked Shree and I four years ago if we would have four kids and we, I, we would be here leading this church, we probably went, <laughs> yeah, no, maybe in like 10 years when our kids are older and they're not squirming in the front row during worship. All of the things, right? But you know what? God puts you in places that you need to be for the time that you're there, right? right? Yeah. That's why it's so important to get plugged in, to get connected to people, to build those relationships, because God has put you in a place because he needs you in that place. Not because he just wants you there, but because he needs you there. He needs your gifts. He needs your talents. He needs what you bring to the table. He has placed you here. He has placed you in your home. He has placed you as a parent of your kids. He has placed you as a son or a daughter of your parents. Why? Because he needed you exactly where you are. Amen? Because that's who he is. He's the best leader any of us could ever think about. He plans all of the things. He knows your next step. You just got to trust him. Follow him. Follow his leading. Be okay being uncomfortable. Be okay stepping out and doing something that maybe you wouldn't have done. Because that is when you see God moving and adjusting and getting you positioned to do something even greater. Amen? When you are obedient, when you follow Him, when, he, when you maybe are slightly uncomfortable, you'll get to see God working in your life. You'll get to see Him as your good shepherd. You'll get to see Him leading you out into good pasture. Right? Don't stay in the sheepfold. Don't stay there waiting. Go, follow him. Go after it. Don't be afraid of what could come. Trust that anything that comes, he's going to protect you from. Amen? Amen.